everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. Have you ever heard of Siglant? Because I'm sorry to say that I didn't and was a little embarrassed by that. I started getting to know them a few weeks ago and I thought, well, I bet you my listeners want to know about them too and what they have to offer. So I invited their application specialist, Jason Chonko, into the podcast to tell us some of his stories from the bench and meeting with engineers like you and who Siglin is, how they got started, and how they're bringing affordable general purpose instruments to bear on today's market. Before I let you go, make sure you go over and sign up to the doubleecosystem.com. We've got an online community, a newsletter, and lots of resources for you. So hope you'll come over and join our community. Now let's jump into the conversation with Jason Chonko of Siglent. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm excited to learn about you and this company that I don't know a lot about. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too, Judy. Thank you for having me on. Well, I, I just have to start out and forgive me for being clueless, but um, I've been in the industry for like 30 years and I apologize, but I've never heard of Siglent. So, and so can you tell us about who Siglent is and where they came from? Because I don't see Siglent around a lot. Sure. No, I, I completely understand. It's something that we that we work on all the time. That's part of part of what I do. Um, so Siglin actually it started in China in 2002. A gentleman named Eric Chin uh, started the company. He's a, he was a software uh, grad student working with some friends of his that were hardware grad students uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, and even on to today in China, there was a, a quite an entrepreneurial spirit. And so as these folks got out of graduate school or in graduate school, they started to have ideas. I, I would like to build a company. So our founder started with an idea. Uh, his friend was a hardware designer. So they said, hey, we could start a company and we could build test equipment and we could build test equipment for everybody. We really, in their school, they, they only had limited access to certain types of equipment. So they started to think, okay, well, if I if we put this together right, we'll be able to build products that are more affordable and more manageable for, for the everyday person to, to get to. Uh, so they started on that path. Um, they thought that it was only going to take them six months and ended up taking them about two and a half years. So um, <laughs> they, they bit off a lot more than they could chew at first. Uh, but in that process, they learned a ton about what it takes to build the company and how to how to build the right type of product. And, and it's just continued to grow since then. Our office here in North America opened in 2014. Uh, and then the office in the EU, I believe, was right around that time as well. And so, yeah, in, in North America, we've been around since 2014. Um, and located here in Cleveland, Ohio. Interesting. Well, because I I have an RF side of my world, I heard that you guys were getting ready through the grapevine, that you guys are getting ready to launch an RF product. And I'm like, wait, nobody just starts with RF. Where do these people come from? So thanks for clearing it up for me. And I love that story. Um, it reminds me of my ex-employer where Scrappy University, you know, uh, students got together to create something that was accessible to everybody. So I, that's kind of an endearing origin story. I like that. So um, what what type of, did you say that was an oscilloscope that Siglent started with? Yeah, started out with a 200 megahertz oscilloscope. And then that, pop, that product became very popular internal to China and caught on with an OEM. Uh, mm. So a, a bigger company came to Siglent and said, we would like to buy that product and, and private label it. And that really started the company's successful growth because now instead of selling to just the domestic market, they were selling internationally. So the, the regulations and the mm. compliance testing and all of those other things that have to be done prior to building a really professional grade product, 
they started to build those types of those types of systems. Uh, and then it's just continued to grow. Um, originally, a lot of oscilloscopes, really one of the world's largest sellers of oscilloscopes, even today, um, and then our largest volume. And then it started to right people started to ask, well, do you, why don't you make power supplies? Why don't you make arbitrary waveform generators? Why don't you start to make RF equipment? And it's just continued to expand along the same lines, right? We still have that same mentality. We want to provide the right tools to everybody. You know, we want to give engineers the tools that allow them to do their job most effectively. And we don't want to break the bank doing it. I love that. It's a great Again, a great origin story, and I'm sure some of the our, our listeners will be interested in. So, um, so Jason, how long have you been with? I know you're an applications engineer. So, what exactly do you do for Siglent? Sure. So, uh, I started in 2016 uh, here at Siglent. Uh, I've been in the electronics industry since 2000. So, I've more years than I than I. I than I thought on occasion, you know what I mean? It just kind of pops up sometimes. Yeah. Like, wow, have I really been doing this that long? I know. Um, but yeah, so I've been with Siglent for six years now, a little bit over six years in July. Uh, and it's been an awesome six years, a lot of growth uh, and a lot of a lot of really exciting things. When I first came, we had pretty low end oscilloscopes. And not that that's a bad thing, uh, but it's just, it's a more exciting. From an engineering standpoint, it's always exciting to have new things to work with and work on. And so I've been exposed to lots of new product lines, especially uh, in the RF field. I just traditionally didn't have a lot of RF, uh, but my day-to-day -day responsibilities are pre and post-sales support. And so if customers have specific needs or applications, I can point them in the right direction, uh, do a little bit of coding here and there, um, and then a lot of feedback to the, to the factory. This is one of the most responsive companies that I've ever worked for. Hmm. From the standpoint, we take a lot of customer feedback uh, and, and feed that back to the engineering department so that we can make improvements. And we've actually done quite a few things, maybe a year or two after introducing a product, there'll be some really good ideas that have come out of, out of customer interactions. And we've integrated those into those new firmware revs, you know, not necessarily a new product, but a new right. feature for an existing product. And that's generally rolled out to the public for free. Uh, we've had a few projects like that where it's just a, it seems like a really good idea. And so we put it into the product and, and give it away to everybody who already has that product. So, and, and we've continued to operate that way, even on more advanced equipment. Well, I love that message. And it's why I reached out to you guys as I, as I became aware of you to become a sponsor, because, you know, that's the thing that we want to do is empower engineers. So Thank you exactly. to your managers for, yeah. for joining me in wanting to enable engineers. So, um, so I'm sure with the kind of work you do, you end up being inside, you, like you said, it's, it's engineering driven. So you end up working with engineers eyeball to eyeball, right. And learning what their problems are, how you can, how you can address those. So can you tell us sort of, how you're seeing what the dynamics are that are going on in that lab and how people are giving you feedback because you, you do seem to be more of a general purpose uh, solution. And mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we've approached the market in a way that we try to be open, general purpose, test and measurement, right? And that's a very broad term on purpose. Um, but things like oscilloscopes, for example, can be used in lots of different ways. So trying to tailor the specific performance of, a, of an oscilloscope to as broad an audience as possible. Mm. Uh, I've gone to a number of places where I've had uh, you know, they'll have one specialized piece of equipment. It can do lots of other things, but they bought it for a specific reason that that tends to push the price pretty high. 
Uh, one customer in particular was doing military radar, and they had a $150,000 vector network analyzer, and it was locked in a cage, and one person had the keys, and that was the only person that was allowed to use it because it was a complex piece of equipment. It was really expensive. If it broke, everybody's out of luck, right? And so in order to make sure that never happened, they kept it under lock and key, rightfully so. But that also limited all of the other engineers that had to do work because they all had to schedule off around that same piece of equipment. Mm. And, and there really wasn't a, a cost-effective alternative. And, and in this particular case, I was going in there specifically to talk to this customer about general purpose spectrum analyzers and how they could be used by the general population of engineers at the company mm. to, to do that daily work, right? To have that daily driver and not have to wait for the person that has the keys to give it, give you the permission to use it or to just schedule it with that particular person. So just having the ability to have an instrument on everybody's desk uh, has really mm. It, it comes up again and again and again, and it's it's the place where we're really really successful or helpful. Hmm. That's a really unique approach. You know, I I play mostly in the high end of the market. You know, and and it is those equipment's really expensive. It's really powerful, and for highly specific applications, you really need it. Mm-hmm. But then on that day to day, so you're providing that that day to day. And what do you what do you think that split is market wise? Say in you know, U.S., Canada, Europe-ish, um, in the West, what that split is in general purpose applications versus really high-end, you know, pushing the pushing the technology limits where you really need that expensive instrument and software. Well, it's funny. It, it's um, the eighty twenty seems to come up a lot, right? It's yeah. just one of those things. The and for whatever distribution, reason, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's like lo- the logarithm or the uh, yeah, yeah, natural log, right? It just it's just in nature. Poof, here it is, right? Yeah. Um, so in a lot of cases, yeah, it's around eighty percent, or uh, yeah, the eighty twenty rule, right? Twenty percent is the specialized, really, mm. really need to have extremely high level performance or an, a specific feature for that measurement. Um, it's very similar. And, and we actually have a design philosophy or one of the ways I like to describe how Sigmund approaches their design philosophy. Uh, and really, they'll take a look at a market application and they'll say, OK, well, maybe we don't have the technical chops or the or the uh, capabilities to achieve the highest performance level possible. Right. We're not on the bleeding edge of a specific measurement. Part of right. that is because we're a growing company and we're learning. Uh, but also part of that is where are we and, and who's going to listen to us if we have that message. Right. So. Um, we've got that 80, 20, we take a look at that hundred percent and we say, okay, well, we can't do all of that. That's okay. But wow, it looks like at 80% of the market really only needs this subset of Hmm. those applications or those features. And so by taking that, taking a look at how to optimize that 80% really hit the main, the main reasons people are buying these products and then do that as, as effectively as you possibly can. And that, that's really driven our our initial product launches, and then we use customer feedback to, to then polish it and, and provide more application specific, uh, more application specific uh, features if, if they're needed in that particular measurement requirement. I really like that idea that you're taking that real time feedback. You know, it's especially when a company grows, it's so easy to like, oh, we have this great idea that yeah. may or may not apply if you don't do market research and and you're doing face-to-face market research. So I kind of like that. I like the idea. So what you're saying is kind of, this is the, 
you know, every man's uh, or every bench's solution for just that day to day stuff that exactly doesn't apply and, and they don't have to go get it out of a cage or, you know, maybe they can get more instrument for their buck. Right. And, and not have to tap in until fight over resources. Well, we've, we've had uh, customers that have come to us. They've, they've had a budget for X amount of dollars, right? And they were thinking, okay, we can get one or two benches built for this. And we've actually come in and helped them build 10 benches for that. Whoa. Again, depending on what they're looking for, we, <laughs> yeah. we may be able to, to really approach specific needs with, with pretty budget conscious, budget friendly product. But it isn't, it isn't cutting corners on the budget. It's or on the performance. It's it's just tailoring the the performance to that specific application and and doing it at a in a cost effective way. Um, I had a customer not that long ago. They had they were renting a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment a month, and they Whoa. were trying fever feverishly. It's a production environment, really critical. A few of the specs that they needed were really critical, and what they found from from competitors, you know, it was, it was performance was fantastic, but they could only rent it. It just they didn't have the budget set I aside see. for the year to be able to to do that. So they sat on on the rentals for a few months, and they're like, "Wow, we're we're just burning through way too much cash. We got to figure something else out." And they gave us a call. We sent a demo to them, and within a few weeks, we had we were already proven. Uh, they ended up buying more equipment, and it's just continued to be one of those like every quarter they they do more. And now for I think about twenty five percent of their their monthly rental budget they they own the equipment right so they don't have to deal with the rental they don't have to you know it's theirs hmm. they own it they can do whatever they need to do with it so interesting um, well i don't mean to be teeing up a commercial here but it's kind of for me <laughs> but i think it's an interesting sort of story of a company and the pain point you know the pain points that the engineers are having did you really say a hundred thousand dollars a month on rentals yes. I, I know that when the phone rang i was i did the same thing Whoa. i'm like why are you doing that <laughs> it yeah seems, it's really really expensive um but again they their particular application they needed to have that kind of performance and and on their first their first look through the market right they went to the players that they were used to dealing with uh and they didn't didn't dig deep enough and we need you know our job is to to make sure that we say you know from the mountaintops what we're capable of doing and, and prove it yeah interesting so it it seems like to me too because i know i'm thinking particularly when this one rf engineer that i used to know um she had to rent because she was doing freelance work on the side very capable rf engineer but she had to rent several pieces of equipment to do the measurements that she needed. So like, as far as your marketplace goes, is it, it, is it more like large OEMs or does those small engineering firms, it seems like that's a, a good way. If your price point is that different, that that opens up the ability for people like my friend to maybe own their own equipment, you know, which seems like yeah, a better we've, deal to we've me. helped a lot of consultants, a single person engineering huh. organizations. Uh, that, that was primarily what we've been doing over the last few years. And, and over the last year or so, maybe more like two, we started to pick up a larger, uh, larger customers. But with larger customers, you typically have to go through the vendor qualification process. And that could take some time. Yeah. And so in a lot of cases, we're meeting those people now or in the, in the past year we've met them. And we're starting to get that paperwork and all of those meetings done so that everybody's comfortable. And, and, and I get it, right? You have to vet the, this isn't, uh, 
an engineer has to use a piece of equipment to tell them what's happening. You can't just look at a circuit with your eyes and go, oh, I see what the problem is. Well, I guess if there's sm- the magic smoke has been let out, you might you might get an indication. But <laughs> yeah. generally speaking, right, circuit design is is uh, you have to do a, a lot of modeling, and then uh, at the end you end up testing it, right? And yeah. in order to test it, you need a scope to see what's happening, or a DMM or a VNA, depending again on what what type of tests that you have. But really, the tools are the eyes and ears of the of the engineer. Yeah, nobody wants to see the blue smoke. No, that's <laughs> we don't bad. want that to be our. <laughs> measurement solution. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. We talked a little bit about RF, but I'm kind of curious about that. I went down the RF path and really got fascinated with that side of the the sort of black magic side of the, of the industry and really enjoyed it. And that could be tricky. So it sounds like you're, you're coming out from what I've heard, you're coming out with an RF product. Like why did you, since you are more general purpose, what made Siglent decide or what feedback did you get from your customer that made you want to um, do something in the RF space? Yeah. So in 2000 and I think it was 15, we came out with our first RF product, which was a, a vector or I'm sorry, a, a spectrum analyzer, swept super heterodyne spectrum analyzer, uh, 2.1 gigahertz, pretty basic box, but really a, a very, very solid box, good measurement capabilities, nice, nice frequency range and, and that type of thing. It was really popular or still is actually with amateur radio people. Uh, mm. And a lot of amateur radio people would take the, they were professional engineers in their, their day job. I see. So they would take it into the office and they would say, look what I got. This thing's really great. And then they would start oh. comparing measurements, but from one box to another, and they'd say, wow, th- this box, which is really relatively inexpensive, is doing just as well as this $10,000 or $20,000 spec and. Uh, you know, again, for specific applications. And and so they started to bring it more and more. And then they would come back to us and they go, well, this is great. You go to 2.1 gig. What about five gig? What about seven gig? What about eight gig? Mm. And it's just been that feedback and those types of requests from from our customers, really, that have sort of led us into this higher frequency, higher capability. Uh, we still have that general purpose, you know, every bench needs a, needs a box type of mentality. It's just, again, we're being pulled in, in different directions based on the customer need. And so everybody's got a budget and everybody's budget constrained, right? Even if you've got a gigantic budget, it still has a stop point. Um, and so we're, we're there to help you get as much as you can in your, uh, on your bench. And resource constrained and time constrained and yeah. all of that. So it sounds like a, a good way to sort of meet some of those pain points. So tell us about the one you're, give us a sneak peek. I think this will be coming out a day or two after your release, if I understand it pro- correctly. So tell us about that specific instrument and, again, what what problem, what engineering problem um, you're trying to solve there. Sure. Uh, so in yeah, late September, we're launching uh, two new products that basically, let me think, they triple our current frequency, mm-hmm. <laughs> our frequency limit. So today our, our, our max limit is eight and a half gigahertz. Uh, it's very soon going to be 26 and a half gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 26 and a half gigahertz gets us into the K band, uh, as well as everything in between from eight and a half up to 26 and a half gig. Uh, so specifically in that frequency range, you're looking at radar applications, uh, satellite communications, uh, a lot of general or immunity as well for uh, electromagnetic compliance testing and immunity. Interesting. And so there's a lot of there are a lot of general applications that still that just continue to do, do so at higher and higher frequencies. And so yeah, general purpose at those at those 
frequencies is, you know, it's the same thing. It's just a higher frequency band. Yeah. I have a friend, uh, Ken White, who's sort of an EMI expert yep, that Ken. taught me, you know, about Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I like Ken a lot. He's a good guy. <clears throat> Does he have your instrument? He has, he was the, so uh, I, I knew nothing about RF uh, in 2012. Uh, we hired Ken to come in for three days. Uh, I oh. worked at a different company, but we hired Ken and he came in for three days. So he's the first person to teach me anything about RF. So, yeah. He Got taught lucky. me a lot I'm, about... I'm lucky to have, yeah, right? I know. he's a very good teacher. He's been a great teacher for me too, but he taught me about immunity. I wouldn't have known that term, yeah. you know, before I met Ken Wyatt. So I'm like, ooh, this is right. And Ken Wyatt's <laughs> area oh, of expert, expertise. Yeah. By the way, for our listeners, I'm going to have Jason send me links to, to some of this stuff. And maybe we'll put Ken's uh, channel and here he's very involved in EMI and yeah. has some great stuff there. So we'll throw that in. Um, so you're going into a higher frequency range. I mean, those are pretty, those applications. So are you really, is does that include military radar and satellites or is it more automotive consumer? Like where does that land? Because I honestly don't know. Yeah, it, well, there are a few different technologies. It, it does depend. I think it's it's civilian and and military in, in that K band. There are some also some satellite up and down communication links, uh, and then there are there's stuff all the way up to well past 100 gig. Uh, obviously, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we're we're basically staying in that 26 gig. But you know, the company's always evolving. I wouldn't be shocked if higher frequencies were right around the corner in in any of our product lines. Hmm. Um, so in that, you said there's two products. Mm -hmm. So that is the the I'm sorry, VNA or Spectrum Analyzer. There's a there's a 20 gig RF signal source coming, and then a 26 okay. and a half gig spectrum analyzer. Uh -huh. So the RF signal source is obviously responsible for providing the signal that you can test receivers and you can test components with. The spectrum analyzer side is measuring a, a transmitter or something that's capable of of outputting a specific frequency range, and uh, so they 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 play together within that within that space. So typically, if okay. you're if you're building something in that in that environment, you would have both a signal source and a, and a spectrum analyzer so that you can measure both sides of it. Because you're usually building transmitters and receivers in the same, generally a, a different team, but they're usually in the same yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. At least technically. Um, well, that's kind of good that they play together, right? Because I've heard some yeah. stories about the signal generator and the instruments not playing well together. Um, so did we talk, what's the band bandwidth? You, you said it's under the K band. Sorry if I'm asking dumb questions oh, no, because no, no I am learning in real time um, in the last six months about the test and measurement world. So forgive me sure. if I'm asking obvious questions, no, not, but I'm, not a problem. I'm learning from you and I hope our listeners are too, but yeah, so the um, a lot of so you generally have a, a starting frequency, and that's usually not zero. Uh, it's really difficult to manufacture both low. Uh, one design is really difficult to make uh, low frequency and zero hertz or one or ten hertz. Very difficult to go from there to really high gigahertz. Not impossible, but really difficult, uh, and also really expensive. And so, in in general, the trend is to go from nine kilohertz. Uh, I'm not a design engineer, so I don't entirely understand why it's always nine kilohertz. Huh. Uh, but in a lot of ways, if you look across the across the board, uh, different vendors and products, they almost almost all spectrum analyzers start at nine kilohertz, or a lot hmm. of them do. 
And then a function generator, or um, I'm sorry, RF signal sources also tend to start at around nine kilohertz. Now, um, the uh, the 20 gig or RF signal source is going to be, uh, I believe it's nine kilohertz. The spectrum analyzer is going to start at 100 kilohertz and then run all the way up to 26 and a half gig. So what that means to the user, that wide that wide range, you can use it anywhere you need to. Right? I today, see. Today you might be working at two gigahertz. Tomorrow you might be working at 20. Well, now you I don't see. need to have two boxes. You could just have one that covers that whole span. Got it. And, and again, so you're getting more coverage out of one piece of equipment than having to go get another piece of equipment to do that same that job. That totally makes sense. So Jason, I really get why this is um, resonating, you know, on the general purpose side, even on the RF that you have these range of things you can do rather than, you know, a very narrow application specific, you know, bleeding edge. So that makes a lot of sense to me. But you said something a little while ago about the price that kind of blew my mind. Like when you said affordable, but then you said, oh, one high-end instrument to 10 of something from Siglin. I'm like, wait, it can't be that much less expensive. So I'm not asking you to tell me what your instrument prices are here, but like, how do you do that? Even if you are in that general purpose range, how do you stay affordable and not be like the Me Too company? Sure. Um, I, I think the, the, a lot of our money, a lot of the profits go right back into R&D. If you take a look mm -hmm. at how we, how we develop product and how many products we've released in a year, um, and all of that is in-house. We don't buy resell. We don't OEM products. Our instrumentation is designed by Siglin engineers. It's manufactured by Siglin. So we, we have control over the entire process mm. and almost all of it goes right back into R&D. We have a, a large R&D department. Uh, we don't have a large marketing department. So we're, we're spending a lot more money on the R&D side, which is really what engineers are, are using, right? Mm. Marketing is very important. I totally understand it. But the, at the end of the day, the engineers are using the tools. They aren't using the marketing yep. tools. Um, and so, which is probably why I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Uh, and, and my and my job is to, to help elevate that a little bit. Um, but yeah, we we have you know, we have we have work to do to get our brand out there for sure. But everybody that touches on our brand, you know, they come back and they're really excited. A lot of our customers are repeat customers, and that's that's how you grow, right? And that trust. And I'm guessing I'm being the devil's advocate a little bit here, but I'm guessing the quality's good and that yes. it's standing up, you know, to the kind of kicking the tires, right? And so what are you again, I, I feel like I'm being a devil's advocate here, but you said you weren't cutting corners, but the you know, under the hood, you know, because you are able to design and manufacture in-house like you know what is the quality i'm i'm poking sure. i'm kicking the tires for our <laughs> for our listeners oh, no, like I, I, yeah so. no i totally understand okay. you know we, we we use a lot of components that you've heard of before right so from the from the bigger manufacturers i think we're we're a very large customer to ti adi all of those companies uh, and, and one way that you can see that is, you know, there are quite a few reviews. You know, we, we live in a great age where you can actually, the consumer can directly view what's going on hmm. with professionals testing the products on their own. So if you did a quick search on Siglent review or unboxing, you'd find quite a bit of them. And, and I'll share a few links with you if you'd like. Okay, uh, great. That'd be some, great. We, we actually came out, we, one of a, a really difficult instrument to manufacture, to design and build 
is a vector network analyzer. Um, and they're just complex based on just, just the nature of the beast, right? Um, and so we came out with our first vector network analyzer last year. Um, and we didn't start on the low end. Typically, what we do is start with a base model and then kind of grow the frequency range. Last year, we kind of went right for it and built an eight and a half gig VNA. Um, and it's been reviewed recently. Again, I'll share that link with you. Um, okay, and great. They open it up. They they talk about the the circuit design, what's unique about it, and then also the components that are used in it. So we don't cut corners on the on the design side. Again, we we can't build a company if we don't build the trust. Test and measurement engineers have to be able to understand what they're looking at mm -hmm. and trust what they're seeing. Uh, right. if, if the instrument's lying to them, then they can't trust that company because they're using these tools all day, every day to do their job. If the tools don't work, they need to find another tool. And and it's they don't need to stick with Siglent. They don't need to stick with right. whoever. If you fail them, they move right on to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. And they don't have time. They no, don't have time. No, I, you know, I get it, right? Everybody's yeah. like that. You only Everybody. have a limited amount of time to get your job yeah. done. So you pick what you trust and you go with it because it got you there before. And, you know, it's our job to earn it. Yeah. And it's like their job on the line and their profits. And sometimes, you know, if it's going in a car, it's kind of important that what you're designing is that the models can be correlated to the measurement, right? So yeah, well, it's funny. I, I I took shop in high school. I'm that old that they actually still had shop. <laughs> um, and in in my shop class, my my teacher that's a, one of the first things he said was, "If you built, or would you fly in a plane that you built?" <laughs> and, and that yeah. always stuck with me. I'm like, right? I get it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> would you? I know. <laughs> yeah, I worked for a military. Um, I covered the West Coast in sales and marketing for a really high end military assembly, you know, turnkey assembly place in Baltimore. And one thing I was impressed is like their controls are really tight and all that. And I'm like, you know, this is really Im impressive. And, and, and so he's like, well, there's mothers whose sons are going to sit on top of the stuff we're building. And we're aware of that every single day. And I'm like, I like these guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. because they, they, I think, you know, and engineers, I think have a keen sense of what's writing on the products they built. So I really appreciate well, and that. And they want to be proud of what they of built. Course. Right? It's, it's an like their children. Of, it's yeah. an extension of them. It really yeah. is. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the same. Um, our, our engineers, right. They're mainly in China and, and they're just, you know, some of them have just graduated and they're really proud of what they did. Yeah. But the great thing is if they're also open to listening and, and being able to balance it, right. Because they're not just building it for them. They're building it for other people. It really is. I, I, I really enjoy it. I didn't start in this industry thinking yeah. all of these things or knowing all of these things, but that's some of the stuff that I come back to and I really, really enjoy about, you know, working here, working in this industry and the yeah. customers. Me too. A lot of really cool technical stuff and, and the people are great. You know, no, it's, it's I agree with you. Balance. There's definitely a passion um, for, for engineering. And like you said, that pride. And the other thing that I think is so interesting is like, they know they're going to be engineers at like five, a lot of them, because they're taking stuff apart. Because they got the knack, you know, and so <laughs> it's really interesting. But I, I share have a story your... about that for another time, maybe. But <laughs> no, tell me about the knack. I... So uh, I, I was a little kid, um, probably seven or eight years old, and they had these little tiny toys. They were called stompers, and you would put a double A battery in them. It was a little car, a little motor. Uh -huh. You put a double A battery in it, and you turn it on, and a light would turn on the front. You know, they had little fiber optic or light light guides on yeah. this little tiny lamp. 
and it would you know drive across the carpet or whatever right. and one day i watched uh my mom plugged the vacuum cleaner into the wall and we had a light on the vacuum cleaner and i noticed that that light was really really bright and it was plugged into the wall and i saw my stomper and i knew it had this little battery in it and i thought well if i plug the stomper into the wall it's going to be even better because this motor is <laughs> going to get a ton of juice off the wall right, right. i mean in my seven-year-old brain, I, I'm like, that has a, I knew enough to know that, that the wall outlet had a lot more juice. And See, I did it. <laughs> that I means I you, wired had, it up and plugged you it in. had the knack. I By did. the way, I, for I, I blew the I blew the lamp up and almost electrocuted <laughs> myself, but you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I love those stories uh, because it's so true. Have, have you seen that? I'll share it in the show notes there with... Um, I think it's Dilbert, you know, and and she takes her. Anyways, I'll throw that in the show notes just for fun. Little video about, ma'am, your son has the neck. The neck. Uh Uh-oh. It's like, oh, no, the neck. (laughs) Everything's going to get taken apart. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so good. That was my my, uh, grandparents would always call and they're like, can you help us fix this? I'm like, yeah, I think think so. Yeah. Sure, why not? I think that's a lot of it, too. Also, engineers, they tend to not be afraid of trying to do something. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they you, you once you get a toolkit, you're, you have enough confidence in what you're doing. It makes it a heck of a lot easier. But at the beginning, it's, well, I don't know. I want to yeah. get this thing to work, so I better figure it out, you know, and get out the hammer and start swinging. Yeah. And it usually ends up in those funny stories, like you blowing up the lamp. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when you grow up, it becomes the blue smoke. <laughs> so great stories. And you're right. It's a lovely um group of people to be around and to learn from. And I thank you so much, uh, Jason, for coming on and telling us about, you know, who Siglin is in the first place, but also telling us about how you were founded, what you're up to. And, um, and I'm really glad to, to just be learning about you and thank, I thank Siglin for joining us as a sponsor, but we really haven't gotten acquainted yet. So this has been really exciting and I'm sure, um, our listeners will enjoy it as well. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Uh, just thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. hope it didn't ramble too much. Um, yeah, it was great. Looking forward to more. Thanks so much, Jason. To our listeners, thanks so much for joining. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. We will see you next time. Don't forget to check out the show notes. I'll put in all that good stuff about Siglent and even the knack. I'll put all kinds of good stuff in there for you to go poke around, um, get some information and go check out Siglin and see if, if uh, that's something that meets your needs. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Until then, remember to always stay plugged into the ecosystem.